it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joining us here on Table Talk at the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show, the longest running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. So grateful you're able to tune in. We've got a great interview and show for you this week. The NFL season is almost upon us. Yes, that is the truth. The NFL season is almost here. I know a lot of us Eagles fans, we are still in that celebratory mode. Yeah, we have been over these past few months after winning the Super Bowl. But uh, the 2018 season is going to be here before we know it. Training camp starts for many NFL teams within the next couple of weeks. And we got to get into some NFL storylines here. And it is such a pleasure to have on the line with me from InsideThePylon.com. It's one of my favorite football sites out there. We have Ryan Ducarm. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me this week, man. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for having me. I'm excited. You got it. You got it. And I know that uh, the Twitter followers and Twitterverse out there can follow you on Twitter, correct? Yeah, I'm uh, at DBRyan underscore Ducarm, which is D-U-K-A-R-M. Very good. Very good. Well, one of your colleagues recently at Inside the Pylon wrote an article about how there are professional sports teams who tank to put themselves in a better position for their team building. And it was noted that the Philadelphia Eagles in that article actually didn't have to tank to become contenders, eventually winning the Super Bowl, as we know, Ryan. In fact, uh, it was Joe over at uh, InsideThePylon.com. Joe wrote, the Eagles are the antithesis of the tanking movement in professional sports. So I guess my first question to you as we're getting into this early NFL season talk here, is that do you think we'll end up seeing more teams employ the strategy that Howie Roseman and the Eagles front office use to build the championship team in the future? I, I think you almost have to because what their strategy was really focused on was, all right, we need the QB. That's like, that's the first thing. I think that's yeah. like, that has to be pretty much any team strategy, however you go about that. And I think um, tanking is one way. I'm not sure how worthwhile it is, but Um, I think as you see, you know, their first thing was get the QB in place. And then, you know, Joey also wrote something uh, this offseason about trades in the NFL. And the Eagles are one of the the most common traders in the entire NFL. And it's you can get legitimate, strong, veteran contributors. 
for mid to late round picks in the NFL. And that's, you know, there's any reason guys can get traded if they're not living up to the hype of their draft slot, if it's contract stuff, if it's scheme fit, coaching changes, you know, their trading is a great way to acquire assets. And I think as executives and general managers and front office, people get younger and the sort of like quote unquote Madden generation where everybody traded to build their team growing up. Yeah. I think you will see more of that, you know, and, and Bill Belichick is not necessarily the Madden generation, but that's always been his thing. And it was always crazy to me. Like, okay, Bill Belichick got like a solid, you know, strong starter for a fifth round pick. And it, it um, I know Dave Archibald over at ITP wrote something, Bill Belichick hates fifth round picks. And there was a stretch of a bunch of years. We traded almost every fifth round pick he had. Cause like, it's early enough in the draft where people find hope in those picks and late enough where he's not losing a, an immediate starter for that pick, but he's gaining one by trading it. So um, I think you look at current teams right now, the Eagles, the Patriots, the Rams come to mind as, as teams that are really relying on trades. And I don't think it's any coincidence that those are three of the strongest teams in the NFL. Um, you also can look at, this is what came to mind when I was um, thinking about this. Was, so yeah, you know, I think the bills are, are an interesting case because everybody kind of accused them of tanking this past off season. Yeah, right. And, yeah. Um, they, they were, you know, traded with the Eagles, even they were, they were jumping players. They were really looking to acquire picks at one point, um, you know, sort of middle of the season, they held two first round picks, two second round picks, two third round picks. And the crazy thing was they made the playoffs. And I think the really interesting thing <laughs> yeah. was, um, right. And, and like, as a Bills fan, that was awesome as a Bills fan. But the interesting thing to me was they didn't, they didn't dump the necessarily core guys, um, that would have completely eliminated them from playoff contention. They right. didn't get rid of Tyrod Taylor. They benched him at points, which is still puzzling to me, but they didn't trade LaShawn McCoy. And, and you look at their team and the way they were built of, you know, this is a 29, 30-year-old running back, an elite running back, but he's on, you know, he's aging. You're maybe not looking to contend right now. Why are you keeping him not trading him for picks? But it ended up working out where they, yeah, they lost in the first round, but they lost to a good Jaguars team in a close game. And, you know, you look at, you know, I'm not a huge Josh Allen fan, but if you if you look at what they've now done is, okay, we've built a winning culture. We have our core guys. We now got two potential strong starters in Tremaine Edmonds and Metal Linebacker and Josh Allen at quarterback. And I think, you know, tanking, like, I, I think the, the idea of tanking is about getting draft picks, right? Yeah, and of course, yeah, that's fine. And I, I, I think draft picks, like more draft picks are a good thing because they are inherently hit or miss and just bets that you don't have great odds on. Um, but I think the thing that the Eagles did best was they got their QB. However you can do it, whatever you do, you get your QB. And they traded up. And um, in Joey's piece, he mentioned, like, Harry Roseman was adamant that, like, there are a few costs too high to get your guy. If you think he's the guy to take you where you want to go, uh, a future first is not the end of the world. Exactly. And, yep. um, you know, and I think the thing about, like, tanking is that, it's not necessarily bad to get more or better picks, but you have to use it for a QB. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, look at on the opposite side of the spectrum here, Ryan, uh, from the Eagles are the Cleveland Browns. Now, the, the Browns have been essentially tanking to mm -hmm. get draft picks now for quite some time. And first off, I'm wondering, do you think Cleveland is going to be successful with the team building and the type of construction that they have been looking to do um, over these past couple years of just stockpiling those draft picks, the tanking after tanking. And uh, is that is that a successful team-building strategy? And I guess the second question is that, what type of Cleveland Browns team do you think we're going to be seeing in the future here? Right, right. And, and 
I had, I, I, I have mixed feelings about what the Browns were doing because, um, you know, I thought tanking or at least, okay, these guys aren't going to help us where in where we want to go in the future. So we unload them, we get draft picks and, you know, you're not going to feel the successful team, but you get young guys, key reps, and you get a higher draft pick if you're not as good. I, I don't necessarily have uh, an inherent problem with that belief, but right, right. like I mentioned earlier, that process needs to be centered around, we need to get our quarterback. And, and what I took issue with was the process was okay, and I, I, could, I could get on board with that, but when you look at the QBs, they, they only took Deshaun Kaiser, which um, is a fine pick, but you look at the guys they passed on and like passing on Deshaun Watson, passing on Mitchell Trubisky, yes. passing yeah. on Patrick Mahomes, right. And, yeah. and Carson Wentz <laughs> and Jared Goff. And like, so you look at it and to me that implies a flawed process. I don't think necessarily tanking for high draft pick to get your quarterback, that might even be the right way to go. But I think if you are, if your process is not built around getting the guy in place, it's a flawed process. And, and now that Sashi Brown is gone, because I thought he did some good things, and I, I think he's put them in a really successful place now that they did, after he was gone, now that John Dorsey's in charge, they did get Baker Mayfield. So if you think Baker pans out, I think you look at the pieces Sashi Brown put in place around him, Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Oba, Joe Scobert on defense. You know, they have a strong offensive line, even, you know, with Joe Thomas retiring. Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, like, they have talent. David Njoku. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, problem, the problem is, A, they didn't win any games, and I think coaching is at least partially to blame for that, but you, you don't have a QB. And, and I think the process worked out after a change in management where now, wow, quarterback's in place. That, that roster looks good. You know, you, I could see him winning a couple games this year, but I just don't have faith in, co- in the coaching because if, if Deshaun Kaiser's the pick, that's fine. I can get on board with that, but he's a talented young quarterback. You've got to let him, you've got to let him play. You're not trying, like, you winning is not really doing anything when you're zero and ten or one and ten or right, whatever. Right. I, so so let him figure it out. And and I think they I think Hugh Jackson sort of bungled that from the start. Well, d- well, do we say and do we look at Deshaun Kaiser as one of these more up and coming quarterbacks, perhaps, perhaps Ryan of the future, just because he is going to now be learning this game in more detail perhaps in a more disciplined way under Aaron Rodgers now up in Green Bay. I mean, there is a reason why the Green Bay Packers wanted him on the team. There's a reason why they made that trade. Right. Do you think Deshaun Kaiser could potentially be that next guy to keep the Packers moving forward after Aaron Rodgers may not be there? And, of course, that's many years down the road, but what are your thoughts on that? Right, right. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, it could work out and it could not, but, like, I don't think the investment was huge for the Packers. So it's kind of a nice sort of um, a, a nice sort of like decent reward potential, not a huge risk or anything. Okay. Um, okay. And, you know, and I, I think it's like what will be interesting to me is like Aaron Rodgers has missed games in his career. I don't care about that. It happens. But there have been times where his backups get to play is, is essentially my point from that. And I think in the next two years, we'll see a good solid sample size from Deshaun Kaiser. And if he takes the next step, if they think Rodgers can play a long time, A, you have a cheap backup for a couple of years, or B, you now have like a Jacoby Brissett situation at New England, you flip him for a third round pick, you get a solid starter in the next draft or something. And then the rich get richer, basically, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> um, so I, I think, you know, I, I think young quarterbacks that might not be in the best situation are always a decent investment for teams with a set quarterback because, 
you can get a cheap backup, you know, on a rookie contract. And, you know, maybe maybe something clicks for Deshaun Kaiser in Green Bay and under Mike McCarthy and not Hugh Jackson. So I like the trade for Green Bay because, sure, in a best-case scenario, he really develops well. He becomes the heir apparent. I don't know how likely that is. It could happen. But, like, you know, like worst-case scenario, you cut bait. But there's a good shot you, you can get something out of him, whether that's on the field or, or trading him for a solid pick or player. Okay. Well, Ryan, during the offseason – we heard a lot from Danny Amendola saying that playing in New England necessarily wasn't too much fun for him. Brady and Rob Gronkowski seem to have some disillusionment with the organization, it seems, at times here and there. It seems like perhaps the foundation of this New England Patriots team may be starting to perhaps come apart. I don't know. Do you think we're kind of seeing maybe the end of the New England Patriots dynasty here? I mean, for a lot of NFL football fans... <laughs> That's what they want to hear at this point. But what are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, man, I wish. <laughs> I, it, it's, Not our friend Mark Schofield, though. <laughs> right. No, I know. And, and, you know, I think I, I, as a Bills fan, I want it to be true. But I just think Bill Belichick has the system in place to be successful. Obviously, with Brady, we've seen it with Brady. But I think post-Brady... I don't know if, if this is going to be a situation where one retires so the other does too. Yeah. And it, yeah. as a Bills fan, that'd be great. But I, I just think, and you know, it seems like maybe Josh McDaniel, McDaniels is kind of waiting for that shot at that job. Um, but I just think, unfortunately, they've built a culture there where it might not be the most fun and it's probably not for everybody, but you're winning. Like they know how to win. And, and the other thing is, you know, Tom Brady is 40 plus. It feels like some year he's got to slow down. Exactly. And sure, he may have <laughs> took a slight step back last year. Um, but I just still want MVP. Seen, yeah, still, still MVP. Right, right. Like, <laughs> right. Like that. And that's, that's a down year, to, like in watching him for me. Like, I, I just think that um, his game is not based off necessarily things that slow down as quickly. He's not a, big arm run around athletic quarterback where maybe injuries come in where, um, you know, just stuff starts, you know, like, you know, Peyton Manning was never a strong arm quarterback. I was one of the knocks on him in the draft, but you, I mean, he, he kind of went like noodle arm at the very end. And Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. sure could, you know, that could happen for Tom Brady, obviously like it happened quickly for Manning, but his game is based off his mind, his timing, his anticipation. And those things I don't think, fall fall apart necessarily as quickly as as arm strength as athleticism and things like that as you get older so i i'm hesitant to ever write that off because i feel <laughs> like this is a talking point every season for the last seven years it so, is yeah um, it is. <laughs> you know but like it's a fair one because it's it's an unprecedented amount of dominance in the nfl and you just you're you feel like it has to end at some point Exactly. And I, th- and I think we'll it was the first time that we actually heard some discord coming from New England in terms of players who had played there right, before right. and even like current, like I said, the disillusionment between Brady and uh, Gronkowski, not between them, but, you know, p- perhaps with the organization. Right, right. So that's why I'm wondering if like the foundation is kind of being chipped away at here. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I hope so. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and I hope the Eagles oh, are same. a part of that after winning Super Bowl 52. So. <laughs> but spe- and sp- kind of speaking of that, I found a, a piece that you wrote, a uh, recent article on Chip Kelly and the running game that he'll be using at UCLA. And of course, you touched on the run pass option that he uses, you know, during his career. That's his philosophy and his foundation. I've been, you know, giving a lot of thought recently to Chip Kelly during his tenure as the Eagles head coach. I mean, the team basically had to blow everything up after he was fired. But the one thing Chip brought to the Eagles and the NFL in general was really that run pass option, I think. And and Nick Foles, man, he used that effectively during the Eagles Super Bowl win. In fact, throughout the playoffs this past year. So can we actually say that Chip Kelly, in a way, kind of pioneered something here in the NFL. I mean, even though his overall brand of football didn't really work in the league here, Ryan, can we say he kind of pioneered that and essentially maybe got <laughs> Nick Foles to where he needed to be during this <laughs> playoff run here? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, you know, I as uh, as I was writing that, I also gave – and I go to I go to college right around Philadelphia. So anytime I, yeah, I yep. bring up Chip Kelly <laughs> – it's very, oh, God, worst coach in Eagles history. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, cool. But I, I, he's I not the worst coach. To too because, <laughs> yeah, he's not the worst right. coach. I'm sorry. Rich Kotite was worse. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, right. But it's, I, I think he gets somewhat of an unfair sort of bad rap because no doubt he did not manage things well. I, I don't think there's any doubt. And I think a lot of his problems came from managing professional athlete personalities yeah. and yep. dealing with, like, these are adults you're coaching now and that's inherently different than like coaching college kids, obviously. And some are made for one thing, some are made for the other, some can do both. And, um, I think like this is the best league in the world and coaches are looking to scout and figure out your offense. And I think the one thing that really hurt him overall was a lack of ability to adapt his offense because he came in and they tore it up, right? This was, he was the big deal, but you put an entire year on tape. And I always felt like watching his offense when I was doing this piece and also just when he was, when he was coaching, it never felt like he adapted. Right. And I think yep. he put too much faith in system 1.0 and not taking it to 2.0 or even 1.1, you know, and just right. like small changes to take, take advantage of teams knowing your tendencies, because this is something I've been fascinated by is just like tendency scouting. And like, this is even analytics too, to an extent is like, I, I was reading something about like Bill Belichick who let's say he, in his, at his core, he might believe that, you know, third and two at the, at the two yard line, like third and goal at the two, he wants to run the ball. And, but if he's up by 15 late in the game, he's going to throw the ball three times, you know, yeah. just to throw yeah. off the numbers. And I found that fascinating. And I, I always felt like Chip Kelly never could quite put new things on the field. I think he bought too much into his own philosophy a bit. Um, and I also just think adapting the scheme to your players. And this was a big complaint of of Bill's fans this year with um, Rick Dennison as offensive coordinator because he is 100% outside zone stretch play you know you can bootleg off that that's how you run your offense but you look at the Bills offense with they had massive massive offensive linemen who are built for power schemes you had Tyrod Taylor and Dennison almost never ran the zone read and like it just felt like you got to change it up like you got to look at your team and see what they do well and, and you know I'm, it had been hit on for years, but you look at like signing DeMarco Murray. That was a flawed process because he was a great running back in a downhill under center gap scheme. And yeah. that's what he did well in, in <laughs> Dallas. And right. you, and like, it's not his fault. 
that he gets asked to run stretch plays from shotgun 30 times a game and can't do it well. Like you need to a teach and call better plays, or you need to not sign DeMarco Murray. Like those are your two options. Yeah, and and yeah. I think the pace of his play surprised people at first, but you need more than that. You need to adapt. Um, and I do think like this is where I think he got an unfair bad rap. Cause like he was never that unsuccessful here. Like, yes, he like, they didn't make the playoffs and like it kind of unraveled quickly. And I think he should have been fired, but like, they never went like two and 14. Like I thought he brought the zone read like RPOs religiously running high tempo can stress defenses. But I just, and I, I thought he had some really cool run designs. That's why I kind of liked outlining it, but you need more. And that was my big takeaway from sort of Chip Kelly. And I do think he did help Nick Foles and the Eagles win the Super Bowl, which is a, a cool kind of part of that. But yeah. I just felt yeah. like he needed more. And, and then, you know, for me, him taking the San Francisco job was setting himself up to fail. Like Absolutely. there was nothing good that could come out of that year. Right. And you're and you're not getting the third NFL head coaching stop. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about. But what else is interesting to think about are some of these teams here that we're going to be watching in the coming weeks as training camp starts, Ryan. Uh, so kind of getting into this upcoming season here, you know, what team going into the season do you think maybe has a little bit too much hype? Mm-hmm. I, I think Kansas City has a lot of hype, and I'm definitely buying it to a certain extent. Okay. But Patrick Mahomes has only played one NFL game. And, like, he played well, and I was super impressed, and he did some really, like, high-level NFL quarterback things. But, like, I mean, he's essentially a rookie QB. And, like, I don't know how you're I, – I just don't see Kansas City maybe this year as a title contender, which I see them getting talked about as. And – I absolutely think they're, that Patrick Mahomes is the guy, and I think he can be successful. But, like, a full season of, like, you know, by midseason, he will have put six, seven games of tape out there. And, like, I think teams are – I think he's going to struggle a bit down the stretch. Not to say he won't come back from it. I absolutely think they're in a good place long term. But, you know, they've brought talented guys in, Sammy Watkins. But, like, I just – I need more. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I need to see a full season of success, and then I'm going to – I will be fully in. But I just think it's a bit too much given – the experience of the quarterback um, and just like having Eric Berry coming back from a serious injury. Like there's some questions on like on D with that. I just, I need to see a little bit more. And then this is not really someone I, a team I think has too much hype, but I, I just want to almost double check Ch- uh, Sean McVay and the Rams. Thank I just want to make sure Thank it, you. <laughs> it's not, it's not the chip Kelly problem. I just outlined. Right, I want to make right. sure he does new things. He, he can take the next step because I think, Part of their, I think a lot of their success came from him, and I think Jared Goff had a, had a good year. I don't think he took the step a lot of people are saying he did because I think McVay's help, offense helped him, which is not a bad thing. You're, you're Todd Gurley absolutely yeah, helped, Todd Gurley as helped him as Todd, possible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like again, that's not a bad thing by any means. But I just, I want, I basically want to double check. I have faith in what Sean McVay has been doing, and I think he evolved his offense throughout the year well. But I just. I want to I want to double check it before I fully buy it. Okay. All right. Again, we're talking to Ryan Dukearm from InsideThePylon.com. Make sure you get over to InsideThePylon.com. Check out his work and his colleagues' work. They always do a great, great job. And Ryan, last question for you, my friend. Um, I guess on the flip side of the uh, just last question I asked, you know, what team going into this season do you think not too many people are paying too much attention to, and we really should be paying attention to that team? Who who do you think it is? Yeah, I, I think you can really look at at the NFC South 
And I think there are three like legitimate Super Bowl contenders there. And I think you see Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans. I, I think Tampa's in for a rough year. But, I mean, the one concern I have, and I think this is maybe why there's not enough hype around all three of these teams, is I mean, they're going to beat the crap out of each other. Like, you're going <laughs> to play are. each team twice. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think hopefully both, like, all three make the playoffs. You get two wild cards in because I think that is, that's part of the best six teams in the NFC in my opinion, but like maybe Dallas has a rebound year. You look at Washington with Alex Smith, at quarterback, like there are other teams that could make it. Seattle maybe steps up a bit, but um, I really think like, I love what Carolina did this off season. They added DJ Moore and Torrey Smith to like finally give Cam Newton some receivers. Um, I really like uh, we, for the ITP draft guide, like we're big Ian Thomas fans, tight end out of Indiana. They grabbed him in the fourth round. I think that's a really nice developmental option behind Greg Olson. And I was a huge Christian McCaffrey fan coming out of Stanford. He was my, my number one back in the 2016 draft. I think he's like obviously a really great receiver out of the backfield or the slot, but I really do think he's a strong inside runner and in, like a power scheme or a zone scheme um, with just like the traits and athleticism. I think he's got absolutely incredible vision and really uh, impressive burst out of the out of the backfield as a whole. So I am looking at Carolina to to kind of step up a bit, but. I think overall, the biggest team that's getting slept on are the New Orleans Saints. I think, I mean, Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback that has shown very few like steps back in his game. Um, Michael Thomas is a legit number one NFL receiver right now. Alvin Kamara was another favorite of mine uh, in the running back class of 2016. I think he's a stud. And Mark Ingram, when he comes back from suspension, is maybe the number the best number two back in the NFL, um, or at least up there. That's a great point. Uh, like yeah. Ben Watson is, yep. you know, is a nice addition at tight end because I think with, with you look at Kamara, he thrived on a small sample size and I think he can carry the load and I think he will do well, but like he's having a rough game. You pound him with Mark Ingram. I think that opens things up. And I think it's a nice to have that, those options because if one gets hurt, like you have a legit number one running back still. Um, and I think like, like I said, Ben Watson's a nice addition. And then, Marshawn Lattimore on defense is a lockdown number one cornerback already. So, and I think because of the situation of how they lost in the playoffs earlier than they planned, it's easy to look at it like, well, you know, they're good, fine, whatever. But like as close as they got last season, I think they should absolutely be considered a legit Super Bowl threat out of the NFC. And they're in my top three with Philly and Minnesota. And, um, you know, with Carson Wentz, probably, unfortunately, as a big Carson Wentz fan, probably, a little slow to get going out of the gate coming off an ACL there. Like, I really think New Orleans should be a legit Super Bowl contender out of the NFC, which is, I think the NFC is, is really strong. I think there's going to be really good teams missing the playoffs this yeah. year in the NFC. Yeah. Well, I am excited for this NFL season that's going to be starting very soon. I can't wait for training camps to start all throughout I'm the pumped. league. Oh, it's going to be great, Ryan. And again, we thank you for coming on the uh, Table Talk Show here at the Philadelphia Sports Table Podcast Show. If you have not already, again, Ryan's Twitter handle at DBRyan underscore Dukearm. Please follow him. That's D-U-K-A-R-M. And uh, Ryan, thanks so much, buddy. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again this coming NFL season. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's always great having Ryan on the show. Love having the guys from InsideThePylon.com on the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast show and here on our Table Talk interview shows as well. So that's going to do it for us this week. Follow us on social media. 
Twitter at Philadelphia PST. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey underscore Warren. Also, feel free to head on over to Facebook and like our page if you haven't already. Same with Instagram. You can follow us there. We also have a YouTube channel if you didn't know. Head on over to YouTube. Search Philadelphia Sports Table. Subscribe to our channel. We do put videos up every now and then talking about the world of Philly sports, things going on within the the realm of the Sixers, the Flyers, the Eagles, the uh, Phillies as well. And uh, we would appreciate you subscribing and hit that bell so every time we upload a video you will be notified of it and then we would also appreciate if you do like the show if you want to support the philadelphia sports table podcast show head on over to tpublic.com and search philadelphia sports table you can get one of our shirts that has our uh, show logo on it perhaps a coffee mug something like that showing support for the show we would greatly appreciate it so that being said take care and i will catch you next time Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.